Hello, everyone, and welcome to the May 14th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. A WCAB panel decision approved of an employer's late correction of MPN notices. In the case of Sarah Ochoa versus Bel Air Window Coverings, Ochoa's admitted claim of industrial injury was settled by CNR in 2008 for $56,000. Litigation continued to resolve the lien claim of Aspen Medical Resources, or AMR. AMR filed a lien claim for over $15,000 for durable medical equipment. AMR offered reports by applicant's primary treating physician, John Larson, a chiropractor, and documents concerning the equipment delivered by AMR at the lien trial. Defendant offered two utilization review reports sent to Dr. Larson, both recommending non-certification of the request. No testimony was received at the lien trial. The evidence showed that Zenith's insurance company implemented a medical provider network back in 2005. The applicant was injured at work in 2006, and Zenith provided medical treatment. After Ochoa obtained legal representation, she was referred to John Larson, a chiropractor, by her attorney. Dr. Larson was not a member of the Zenith MPN. In 2007, Zenith notified Ochoa that an MPN had been implemented. On the same day, chiropractor Larson was notified that an MPN had been implemented and that he was not a member of the Zenith MPN. Applicant was provided with information on how to obtain medical treatment within the medical provider network and how to obtain a second opinion. The information was also provided in Spanish. The applicant was also provided with a provider directory that included the names of numerous physicians. The work comp judge disallowed the lien claim because treatment was provided outside the MPN and for other reasons. It was held that the employer can correct a defective MPN notice. The lien claimant filed a petition for reconsideration. The WCAB in a panel decision affirmed the denial of the lien claim. The WCAB panel concluded that a delay in serving the injured worker with required MPN notices does not mean that a defendant is liable forever after for the treatment self-procured by the injured worker. Defects in providing an MPN notice can be cured. And now our fraud report. Authorities announced the arrest of Saeed Mike Zarin Zarinessery his wife, Roneka Blazende, who are the owners of United RMR Enterprises Incorporated of San Jose, and the arrest of their employee, Chad Oberquill, for workers' compensation insurance fraud. The three face a sentence of up to five years in state prison and $50,000 in fine, plus restitution. Back in 2010, Oberquill, an employee of ITR Industries, reported to his employer that he injured his knee while working. After the injury was reported, fellow employees came forward and reported that Oberquill did not injure his knee while working for ITR, ITR Industries, but instead was injured while working a weekend job with their competitor, United RMR Enterprises. 
During the course of the investigation, it was discovered that United RMR Enterprises had not reported Orberquell's injury to their workers' compensation insurance carrier, the State Compensation Insurance Fund. The investigation also revealed that United RMR Enterprises was paying Oberquill and others cash wages and not reporting these employees on their payroll to the state fund nor to the EDD. A forensic audit showed that United RMR Enterprises failed to remit over $15,000 in workers' compensation premiums. And the fraudulent workers' compensation claim filed by Oberquill cost ITR Industries workers' compensation carriers approximately $16,000. This case is being prosecuted by the Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office. A CHP officer lost his last appeal of his workers' compensation fraud conviction. In 2005, Michael Patrick Jones was found guilty by a jury in Kings County Superior Court of six counts of workers' compensation fraud. Jones was convicted of crimes related to defrauding the California Highway Patrol and the state fund by fraudulently claiming that he was physically unable to return to work due to industrial back injuries. In 2010, Jones filed a petition for writ of habeas corpus in the Superior Court. He claimed that newly discovered evidence established that the prosecution had suppressed exculpatory evidence during his jury trial. Jones stated he learned in 2009 that his CHP partner, Officer Palmer, was interviewed by fraud investigators before trial and the interview was not made available to defense counsel. Jones claimed that this evidence would have created a reasonable doubt as to his guilt. He also claimed his defense counsel was ineffective for failing to investigate the case and subpoena material witnesses such as Dr. Hader, who had diagnosed defendant with a back injury, and for failing to call family and friends as character witnesses. The prosecutor responded to the writ by stating that he provided defense counsel with discovery, including a report of Officer Palmer's interview, and that defense counsel acknowledged receipt of that discovery. Jones then argued that the prosecutor's declaration constituted a veiled admission that he had not given defense counsel a recording of the Palmer interview and thus that he had deliberately suppressed exculpatory evidence. The trial court denied the petition. Jones appealed the denial and the court of appeal determined that defendant failed to present a prima facie case of suppression of exculpatory evidence because the evidence could have been discovered with reasonable diligence prior to the jury trial and judgment. The court found that defendant's declarations admitted his knowledge and belief before the 2005 trial that Officer Palmer and Dr. Hader were essential witnesses for his defense. On the ineffective assistance of counsel claim, the trial court determined the petition was not timely. Defendant knew before the 2005 trial that Officer Palmer and Dr. Hader were favorable witnesses, and defendant knew during the trial that defense counsel had failed to subpoena them. The delay until February 2010 in filing the petition was unreasonable and unexplained. The Court of Appeal in the unpublished opinion of the People versus Michael Patrick Jones sustained the conviction.
A Beverly Hills dentist has been arrested for insurance fraud. Dentist Tom Kalili and Claudia Ventura, his office manager, have been taken into custody on multiple felony counts for insurance fraud, grand theft, and tax evasion. Bail has been set at $500,000 for Kalili and $25,000 for Ventura. If convicted, Kalili faces up to 50 years and Ventura faces up to seven years in state prison. According to detectives, Kalili acting as the owner and operator of Beverly Hills Medical Suite, or BHMS, directed Ventura to knowingly submit fraudulent billing statements to four separate insurers in the amount of nearly $340,000. The investigation revealed that BHMS submitted billings for services not rendered, and in most cases the billing involved emergency dental procedures that were never performed. BHMS also submitted false medical reports in support of fraudulent billing, which generally included fictitious mechanisms of injury. The investigation also revealed that Kalili submitted two fraudulent insurance claims on behalf of himself and his son to two automobile insurers. The case is being prosecuted by the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office, Workers' Compensation Health Care, and <clears throat> Disability Program. A Senate panel has launched a probe of possible links between three drug makers and nonprofit medical groups that advocated for increasing the use of prescription painkillers. Committee Chairman Max Baucus, a Democrat, and the panel's leading Republican, Senator Chuck Grassley, said the drug makers and allied groups could be behind dubious marketing practices that have coincided with a huge jump in deadly overdoses from opioid painkillers. Bacchus and Grassley sent letters to drug makers Johnson & Johnson's Janssen Pharmaceuticals Unit, Endo Pharmaceuticals, and Purdue Pharma, and seven medical groups seeking documents about their financial connections. Lawmakers hope to find out if medical groups have promoted misleading information about the risks and benefits of opioid use while receiving financial support from manufacturers. The Senate investigation comes at a time when federal, federal state and local law enforcement officials are coming to grips with a national epidemic involving the illicit use of prescription drugs. Opioids were involved in 14,800 overdose deaths in 2008, more than cocaine and heroin combined. The senators claim that pharmaceutical companies may be responsible, at least in part, for misleading information. The Senate probe follows an investigation by nonprofit news website ProPublica and The Washington Post which found that the American Pain Foundation received 90% of its funding from the drug and medical device industry in 2010. The foundation produced guides for patients, policymakers, and journalists that played down the risks of opioid painkillers and promoted the benefits. The American Pain Foundation voted on May 3rd to dissolve the organization because of ongoing financial obligations. And now our medical report. The California Labor Code requires that psychiatric injuries be diagnosed according to the terminology contained in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, known as the DSM, published by the American Psychiatric Association. 
we are currently required to use the fourth edition of the DSM. For the next six weeks, an American Psychiatric Association task force will offer the opportunity to submit comments on the draft fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which will be known as DSM-5. The fifth edition is scheduled to be published in May of 2013. This commenting period marks the third and final time DSM-5 draft criteria will be available for feedback. One of the recent changes relevant to industrial injuries was the addition of a footnote to the major depressive disorder criteria to clarify the difference between normal bereavement associated with a significant loss and a diagnosis of a mental disorder. Many commentators noted the previous criteria erroneously implied that bereavement could be assumed to only last two months and officials wanted to correct that misunderstanding and provide more information on how bereavement and other loss reactions differ from major depressive disorder. Among the other significant changes in this posting is a more extensive information on personality disorders. The final versions of DSM-5 will be reviewed by the Board of Trustees of the American Psychiatric Association later this year. This represents an unprecedented level of internal and external review for the DSM, including the public review by way of three postings on the DSM-5.org website. The official release of DSM-5 at the APA annual meeting in San Francisco will be in May of 2013. And in financial news, a report from the NCCI says that workers' compensation combined ratios remained unsustainably high in 2011, and investment returns were not high enough to generate sufficient operating revenue. But premium growth in this line indicates that the worst of the recession has passed and the industry remains well capitalized for the future. NCCI officials say in some ways we are seeing an improved condition from 2010. By other measures, however, the market remains in a worrisome state. In some, they see a market that is conflicted as to its forward trajectory. The analysis shows workers' compensation calendar year combined ratio for private carriers was 115 in 2011, the same result as 2010. This is the highest combined ratio since 2001 when it was 122. Workers' compensation, because of its direct connection to employment and the labor markets, has been the property and casualty line most significantly impacted by the continued difficult economic environment. For the third straight year, workers' compensation had the highest combined ratio of all the major commercial insurance lines. The workers' comp private carrier reserve position deteriorated modestly in 2011 for the fourth consecutive year. The reserve position is currently estimated at $11 billion in deficiency. The line did get some positive news in 2011. Net written premiums increased 7.4% compared to 2010. And in regulatory news, a national electronic billing campaign is now underway to empower workers' compensation practice management vendors, physician practices, and payers. Free webcasts in May are part of an educational campaign from the American Medical Association. 
the California Medical Association and the California Orthopedic Association with participation by the California Division of Workers' Compensation. An AMA-hosted webinar will introduce vendors, clearinghouses, billing services, and workers' compensation payers to the campaign and outline functionality issues related to e-billing. This webinar will focus particularly on California, where mandatory payer e-billing acceptance goes into effect on October 18th of this year. A state workers' compensation e-billing toolkit template has been created by the AMA to be used by the other state medical associations to help support physicians and other healthcare professionals who engage in workers' compensation e-billing. California is the beta site for this rollout campaign. The California DWC will furnish a regulatory update and will be on hand during the webinar series to answer any regulatory questions that may arise. The DWC has also launched a new and improved website for injured workers. The site guides workers through the workers' compensation process from the point of injury through resolution. The goal is to provide clear and relevant information in a user-friendly format. The DWC Administrative Director, Rosa Moran, said that when a worker is injured or hurt on the job, they need more than just a doctor. They need accurate information and assistance, and they need it quickly. Too often, injured workers are unaware of their rights or how to proceed with their claim. The new site will take them through the entire process in clear and precise language. The new web pages are the latest effort by the DWC to assist workers, employers, and claims administrators. Online users can find information about benefits and procedures with links to frequently asked questions, as well as to the information and assistance offices. The fact sheets and guides available in printed form at the DWC 24-hour district offices are also available on the division's website. The new web pages will soon be available in Spanish. And in other news, San Francisco-based CompWest Insurance Company selected Valen Technologies for predictive modeling. Valen will provide its InsureRight product as a foundation upon which CompWest can assess new growth opportunities and more accurately price their current book of business. CompWest officials claim the power of predictive analytics with strong underwriting discipline will set them apart from other comp carriers. InsureRight allows underwriters to secure policies on two fronts. They can score policies first more efficiently and identify risk for new and renewal policies and price according to risk in order to improve loss ratio performance. Secondly, they can identify policies likely to have misclassified exposure and provide agents and underwriting the ability to correct exposure, misclassification, prior to providing final pricing. Both of these scores facilitate a quick turnaround time and the ability to positively impact a carrier's overall pricing accuracy. And with that, that's all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And please remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your iPod by searching for 
WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.